Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we have about 10 games into the season to uh, take a peek at, so it's perfect time for continuing those knee-jerk reactions on the sky is falling, all that good stuff. Uh, plenty of things to get to. We have some new names for how we're uh, labeling our uh, our segments and uh, different things we're going to be talking about as we get into the the regular season here. Uh, but before we dive into all of that, it was also opening week at our favorite uh, podcast uh, sponsor, River Creek Popcorn, for all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice. Come hungry, leave happy. How was opening weekend, Corey? Wet. It rained <laughs> all of the time. But, but, I can't complain. It was still very busy. People came out. It was very good to see a lot of people that I haven't seen and many of them four or five months, I guess it's been. And a lot of people wanted to talk about two things. It was the cold and the COVID. And it was good to hear a lot of them were vaccinated. So that's good to hear too. So we have uh, that going on uh, here. And now have hours changed from uh, in past or where, what's the, uh, what's the lineup, Corey? So we are, we added an extra half an hour at the end of the day. So it's officially the hours are 11 till 530. If you drive by at 10 o'clock, there's a fairly decent chance the signs are out and we're going to be there. I can't guarantee that every day, but most of the time we're there by 10 just to make sure that we have enough popcorn in case we have an early rush. But officially, we are now open till 5.30 instead of 5 because there's a lot of farmers who told us that they could not make it there by 5. And so we are an accommodating group, me and my father. Is there uh, any uh, any changes to the... The uh, menu? Yeah. There is. So that's a good question. There is... I, I uh, came ready to roll, man. A new popcorn that we added the supreme crunch we had it the last two weeks of last season as like a trial run and it was popular so that is like caramel corn with pecans and almonds in it and it is Would very you call yummy. It kind of like the cracker jack style similar to cracker jack See, exactly. I'm, gonna have, I'm gonna have to have the classic uh thing on our uh, on our buzzers here to play a little take me out to the ball game as we uh, talk about uh the cracker jack. popcorn yeah, yeah the, it is it's very yummy very sugary uh, a lot of carbs but very yummy so feel free to check out the some of the new additions and the come say uh, the, hi the classics and say hello and uh, still uh, COVID safe by the way people asked and we're st- I'm still wearing masks and no gloves this year uh, health department says you don't need to wear gloves but if you're working with food you still have to wear a mask which is fine I'll wear a mask and so it's outside you do not need to wear a mask anymore people don't need to wear a mask but as I, I am still wearing a mask because I'm working the, with the food so don't be worried about that. So again, for all your uh, snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, River Creek Popcorn, come hungry, leave happy. As we now approach to that regular season, we turn our attention to the MLB regular season. In our first segment, we're calling Body Heat, uh, which is going to be talking about all the different nicks and uh, dings and dents and all the uh, beginning injuries. This is one of the concerns, storylines to begin the year of the Going back to a 162-game season, what's that going to do to injuries? Plus, you have all the initial stuff that happens after spring and guys ratcheting it back up. And there's a, a lot of names on this list. We'll kick it off with the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen, uh, which has Chaz Rowe uh, with an injury, Peter Fairbanks, Ryan Sheriff. We already talked a little bit last week, stepped away uh, for personal reasons. Still don't know what's going on overall with that. And we'll add in Chris Archer as the starting uh, pitcher uh, to that list. 
So let's talk Fairbanks. He's probably the one that they were going to rely on the most, I would say, of those names. With Nick Anderson already With Nick being Anderson out gone, last right? week. It uh, was at the beginning of the year, it was the three-headed rota- the three-headed monster, right? It was going to be Diego Castillo, Nick Anderson, and Peter Fairbanks. And We're down to one. You're down to one, and Castillo's been great, right? So that was last year, it was the 12 saves and six, 12 different players had a save in 60 games, right? And I think everybody kind of thought they're going to bounce it around this year. And if I'm not mistaken, last I checked, Diego Castillo had all the saves for him. So a little different approach, perhaps, but effective still. And Fairbanks, it sounded like about a month, maybe? Sounding like it's going to be a, a full month uh, with what's going on there. Uh, the Rays are always cautious with these types of injuries. So if you're betting the over-under, I'd go the over by a little bit. Uh, but he was confident uh, that it wouldn't be more than, uh, even if things got delayed, you're talking a uh, month and a half, eight weeks tops. We'll see if it's closer to the four-week or, or where we're at with that. What about Chris Archer? Let's talk Chris Archer because he had a start, right? He pitched a regular start, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't bring in a follower. He pitched a regular start fairly effectively, pretty effective compared to at least the Pirates' days. The, the crispness of the pitches were good. The velocity was good. He's Everything that the Rays would want to start the year, he has been. But forearm tightness, and we were talking a little bit before we started. Just, those are scary words. The forearm for tightness is scary because they have Yanni Chirinos and Jalen Beeks. I'm forgetting someone else right. that has Tommy John. Colin. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Colin uh, Pache, right? That's it. That's it. Man, man look at me go. And that's not even that my, not even my team. But so they have. I'm rubbing off on you. They have a couple good. of Tommy John guys already there, but it sounds like this isn't Tommy John. Yeah, this was that was the scare. Whenever you hear forearm strain, you think Tommy John. Uh, that's usually what it ends up being, or the the danger of what it ends up being. The, this was something small. This more general soreness with some stuff within it. Just a uh, some time off and bringing him back. But they everyone breathed a sigh of relief when the uh, all the uh, uh, pictures came back. All that sort of other things were in the clear. Came back positive. They called up no some tears. new guys to help out and. They found a way to win a couple games against the Yankees still. So as we've said before, as I've said before on this podcast, the Rays seem to find a way to win games. And whether it's Hunter Strickland getting up for them or Colin McHugh, Andrew Kittredge, they have found a way to plug and play in that bullpen. And still, I said, took a couple from the Yankees this weekend. And I'll talk about that uh, coming up here. Uh, but we have uh, some big boppers uh, that have uh, – Aaron Aaron Judge as uh, was out for a little bit with general soreness, uh, but was back in the lineup uh, for at least a couple of the games here this weekend versus the Rays. So that's the Yankees term. Basically, it's their version of rest, right? It's their version of rest. They say he's got general soreness, and let's give him a couple days off. And if overall, I guess it leads to him playing 140 games, 130 games. I don't think he's gotten to that number in a few years because he's extremely injury prone. So if he takes off some games with general soreness and in the end it leads to him playing more games down the stretch, I guess I can't blame him. Now it's kind of annoying, right? It's kind of annoying that they come up with these designations, just say we're giving him a day off. Just be, yeah, there's no reason to, uh, Especially if he's not doing a trip to the IL, then I don't really understand why not just admit it. He's if you want him to be cautious more at the beginning of the year, you don't think he's ratcheted up all the way there yet. Let's say he's going to have more rest days as we get started here. That makes more sense to me. But uh, Cody Bellinger does land on the IL. Yeah, so he got spiked basically. He was slight. I think it was Ouch. second base, and he got spiked. So they're calling it a calf contusion. I would expect that to be a ten day thing. I, I don't expect that one to last. But they're. They've been playing without Mookie Betts, too, so like we said, they're going to be extremely cautious with these guys, so maybe they take a little longer with him, but that should not be a long-term injury. Uh, people were hoping for a nice bounce back with Kettle Marte, and uh, 
he also lands on the IL. And he did start off really strong. Yeah. Like he had a, a, a very great good weekend. first week and a yeah, great first weekend. And so he pulled up lame, running to first base, right? Hamstring strain. Hamstrings are tough. They're always tough. The last I knew they were still planning an MRI, I think that was Friday night or early Saturday, and I hadn't heard the results of that. If it's a bad one, that can be six to eight weeks. If it's a just a slight strain, two weeks. I think that we tend to I think people tend to rush hamstrings a little too much back. Yep. And then 100%. it becomes a much more recurring injury. Just just take your time and get it healed. So when we get a little more information there, we'll know how long he's out for. But for now, Tim LaCastro is filling in. And did you see that Tim LaCastro set an uh, MLB record? Mm-hmm. 28 for 28 to start his career in stolen bases. Beat, there you go. I think it was Tim Raines or Harold Baines, one of them, one of the Ains's records. Raines and Baines, so, oh my. So, yeah, I saw that the other day when I was watching their game. So, good feeling there. Uh, Dexter Fowler, unfortunately, no good news there. It was a uh, torn ACL that's going to end his uh, uh, debut season with the Angels very quickly here. And this is a true lie. So, if you're talking about the Yankees mentioning general soreness, they pulled him out of the game. He slid into, or he didn't actually slide. He like slipped into second, is what happened. And they had to send the cart out onto the field. And then Joe Madden or the people in charge said, "Oh, he's got a knee bruise. Oh, he'll be okay. We expect him back in a week." And then it was suddenly he had a torn ACL because originally, oh, sprained left knee. Yeah, we'll be fine. And now that torn ACL means he's out for the season. So. They've already said they want to keep Joe Adele down in the minors because he needs more time. And they actually have another very good prospect named Brandon Marsh who can also play the outfield. But according to what we've heard from Joe Madden, they want to play Juan Lagaros out there for the time being. Once again, play your young kids. Let's see. He's not going to get any better. There actually isn't even AAA right now. There's the alt site, which fine. Yeah, you're playing ball down there, but call up a young kid. Let's see what these guys got. Continuing with our hitters, Fernando Tatis. Uh, that's a tough one to hear. That it, especially if you're the Padres, you just gave that boy a lot of money. So uh, you better hope that he's okay. So he swung really, really hard, which is exactly the way that he plays the game. He plays the game hard, and he swung, he missed, and he grabbed his left shoulder right away. They called it a left shoulder sublocation, which is a really fancy way of saying it popped out of the socket and it popped right back in. Now, bone-wise, fine, right? Nothing breaks. No structural damage that way. But... You don't like when it moves like that, nerves can happen, right? Nerves can pull a little bit. You're so, also more susceptible to it happening yeah, again. That's, that's the, the problem with, with separations like that. So, this is basically what like ruined Miguel. Miguel Andujar almost won the rookie of the year. He might have even won the rookie of the year. I don't remember for the Yankees, but then he started having this problem and the Yankees kept playing him through it. And he's not even up on the team anymore. He's basically a no name for the Yankees. When it first happened, there was a lot of talk about, was he going to miss the season? Or when is he going to play? And then it was, no, just give us 10 days. I would like to think that they're going to give him a month. I would definitely do a like, month. Take just your time with him. You you have Haseon Kim. You send him to the best experts yep. in the world to keep an eye on it. You do whatever like whatever therapy is needed for this. You uh you ease that back. You kid glove that. This is yes. your franchise investment. You cannot send him back out there and say, okay, well, just don't swing his heart. That's not how he plays. He is going to play 100. And that's he's one of the biggest superstars in this game right now. Right, everybody loves Fernando Tatis. The cool hair. He looks great. He plays fun. Do not rush him back. You just gave him a big contract. You have Haseon Kim and Jake Cronenworth. I don't want to say you don't need Fernando Tatis, because you do, right? He's great. But you don't want to rush him back just so he gets hurt again. If you really don't want to do surgery with him, fine. But then actually rest him. Give him the time that he needs to get better. Former batting champ, Tim Anderson. Yeah, so this is another hamstring. So 
His was, I think he actually beat out this. It was basically the same thing as Catal Marte, except he beat his out. And this was a left hamstring strain. He only made four or five days. This one, I think I saw the, M- the MRI results. I didn't see him, but I saw the reports on the MRI results, and it didn't sound too bad. It sounded like the 10 days was possible, maybe back by the end of next or the end of this week. So well, maybe next week we can talk about him being back. Final two hitters, Colton Wong and Miguel Cabrera. So Cabrera, the question with Cabrera, he has a bicep injury, which is what he had last year. The, the big question I had for you before we started is he's 12 home runs shy of 500. Does he get to that number this season? It, it makes you nervous when it's a similar injury as last year. That's what always gives you pause. Uh, 162 games overall, you have more of the opportunity to do that. He had a homer on opening day. It was awesome to see that, and you, you hope that maybe there could be just one more good year from him. Then you hear about this. I haven't heard reports as far as the extent of the injury. Uh, you got to think with 12 over the course of a full season, if he can stay healthy enough, he gets there. Yeah, I, I think he might get to the, the 12 home runs. I think he can get back and get that. The 131 hits he is away from 3,000. That, I think, is probably unlikely at this point. With with the bicep injury, it's they're calling it a left bicep strain. Last year it was a left bicep rupture, so you just hope it's a strain. Once again, a month probably, right? Like you're not going to see him in 10 days, I don't think. He's, he's obviously a little older than the average player. I think he's 37 now, so take your time, get better. Hopefully we can get those 12 home runs out of you. You have a Hall of Fame career anyways. It's not like you have to push this. And the Tigers are, they've been surprisingly good, but I don't think they're trying to win games here. I, I don't think, I don't remember if this is the last year of his contract or where he's at with that yet. Uh, but he, he's going to get there unless some sort of like uh, career threatening thing happens. Uh, it might take another year. Again, it's going to be the slow, uh, slow thing like Albert Pujols. Uh, but he's going to, you're looking at a 503,000. 500 homer, 3,000 hit guy when it's all said and done. Just a matter of what it takes to uh, to get there. Colton Wong, if we're talking Brewers here, Colton Wong, he has another oblique. Uh, he's going to miss a few weeks. It sounded like he, re- I think it was against the Cardinals. So he, I don't know if you saw, he got up against the Cardinals. Obviously a Cardinals guy crying while he took his first at bat of the game. It was very, you know, baseball touching. But everybody loves baseball. And uh, the Brewers signed D Gordon onto a minor league deal. I don't know if he'll actually play for none of them because we're going to talk about they made another move this week which would have helped if he was still there but that was already moved so Colton Wong going to be gone at least 10 days it didn't sound too serious 10 days to two weeks I would guess let's talk pitchers we have uh, uh, Philadelphia's revamped bullpen Uh, one of their key guys that came in this year has looked I think believe solid to start the year but Archie Bradley makes his way to the list yeah I didn't so you'd mentioned this one to me do you know what he had I didn't see this one uh, I didn't quite catch uh, everything with uh, within that one. It doesn't sound major uh, uh, from it. Uh, this sounds like something that should be a short stint. Uh, a calf is coming to mind, but I think I'm no, totally This is an oblique, too. This is uh, also an oblique. That's so right. So, this is an oblique. Uh, so, I'm just scanning through this. It doesn't sound... I've never had an oblique thing, he said. So, he has never dealt with an oblique. And we talk about obliques usually with hitters, but once again... Pitching is you use your stomach to generate a lot of that. It's legs and stomach core. generates a yep. lot of that core muscles. So two weeks would seem to be optimistic. Once again, maybe more like a month, I would say. I'm certainly no doctor, but I know that. It always depends when they catch it. And if yeah. it's caught early, then you're going to try to help strengthen the area, give it the rest it needs, because these are the, the lingering things uh, that can go on if you don't do don't do the, the proper treatment with it and take the proper time with it. It can be a reoccurring, lingering issue. Hamstrings and obliques, those are the two biggies. Uh, and uh, uh, for him, 
especially for someone who hasn't gone through it before, they'll definitely want to do kid gloves because you don't know when you've had it happen before, you know, the warning signs, you know, your body better, you know, how to, how much time it takes for things or the, it's all about the warning signs before it happens. When you haven't gone through this before, you're going to want to be careful. Uh, so I definitely see, uh, uh, more on the, on the airing on the side of caution, uh, but we'll see what happens there. He hadn't been on the IL. I'm reading an article here quick. He had not been on the IL since 2015, so kind of a Iron Man a little bit there. Yeah. So it's kind of weird to see Archie Bradley go on the IL. He struggled yesterday, so take your time, get better. James Paxton, unfortunately, all of what, about 26 pitches, 29 pitches uh, in his return uh, back to Seattle. And you're like James Paxton is a guy you want to pull for. You really do. He looked great in spring training. The velocity was back up. He made it one in one third innings. I think it was like 26 pitches I was watching that game. And Tommy John surgery recommended, and it's going to be likely the rest of this season. You will not see him. And it's it's an entire career of what could have been and yeah. another season that he's going to miss. It was just signed with a one-year deal this offseason, like you said, to go back to Seattle. Now you got to think, does he ever play again? I think you're looking at minor league deals at this point. You're going to have to prove your health to get anything more incentive-laden deals. Uh, that's probably what you're looking at uh, at next. But, hey, if Corey Kluber can get uh, additional deals, there's always there's always a room for a left-hander who can throw mid-90s. That's true, and and he's shown that he can do that. Now you just got to show that you can stay healthy for five innings and you can meet Steven Strasburg. <laughs> we'll talk about him in a little bit here. Uh, but hot off the presses, our next uh, round here as we talk about the biggest news and notes from the from the week. Uh, we did have a, uh, uh, a rare early season trade. Uh, Orlando Arcia makes his way from the uh, from Milwaukee to Atlanta. Yeah, it's kind of surprising. So Arcia has never lived up to, I guess, the hype that he got. He was supposed to be more like a 280 hitter with a great glove. And, and I guess I would say he has a great glove. I think that that came through. Now the hitting... Last year was in the short season was probably his best offensive year. I think he hit 250 or something, but fan favorite, like loved in the clubhouse. I think council described him as Brent Suter in the, for the offense, which if you're a Brewers mm -hmm. fan, you know, is a big, big time compliment. So the Brewers traded him off to Atlanta. They got two relief pitchers, Chad Sabatka and Patrick Weagle. Weagle's more of a prospect. He, he had some higher upside a couple of years ago. We had Tommy John a couple of years ago and he's still never quite got the velocity back, but those are big guys who throw hard. And I think they both got sent to the alt site. As far as the Braves getting Arcia, he will not play over Dansby Swanson. He will not play over Austin Riley, but he will back up. He's been playing third, second, and some short. So depth and platoon. Depth and platoon, and the Braves are a really good team, and congratulations, you had a really good player too. Another guy who has uh, been uh, traded as part of uh, uh, no room on the one spot and designated for assignment and then traded uh, is uh, Ruffnet Odor uh, from the Rangers to the uh, Yankees. Kind of a weird move, right? So, I, the the Rangers paid all twenty seven million dollars remaining on that contract. So basically, they said, "You take him. We'll take whatever you want to give us back in return." And he's off our team. So he wasn't playing anyways for him. I think he they talked about designating him for assignment at one point, if I'm not mistaken. And so he's still only twenty seven. Now he's not going to play. You have DJ Lemayhu at second base. You're not playing Rugnet Odor over DJ Lemayhu. You're not going to play him at first base, even with Luke Voigt hurt. So it's, it's always been the weird skill set. It's the 20, actually like 30 home run power, 30 steal potential, but a 220 on base percentage, not even an average because he never walks ever. He strikes out way too much, but in Yankee stadium, could he, if he found his way into playing time, DJ LeMay, who got hurt, could he easily hit 35 home runs? Yup. 
would he do it while hitting 200? Probably. So I wouldn't expect Rudnick Nodor to play a whole lot, but it's I guess it's a replacement for like Tyler Wade if you're talking about just adding another veteran. Had a two RBI single and uh, extra innings today to help the Yankees uh, uh, snap their skid against the the Rays. So uh, he's already had a, a good debut overall. He didn't start, did he? He didn't start. No. Okay, I was going to say, there's no way they're playing him over TJ LeMahieu. <laughs> and uh, we also had, speaking of uh, debuts, Brent Honeywell uh, debuted uh, uh, today for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, came up with a Chris Archer injury. Was up for just one uh, opener. Uh Appearance here today, two innings against the New York Yankees, two scoreless, two strikeout, and the screwball was uh, was featured. You had someone uh, reach out yeah. to you about that. I had someone text me, a friend of mine, Jared. I don't know if he listens. He might listen. He lives out in Colorado now, and he texted me, are you watching the Rays Yankees? And I said, no, I'm in the popcorn wagon And when I got a chance. And he said, well, Brett Honeywell's making his debut. And I said, yeah. And he said, do you know he had four arm surgeries? And I'm like, yeah, I, I did know that. And he said, does he still throw the screwball? And I said, as far as I know you, he does. And so he texted me a little later, and it was, it's kind of like a slow-moving cutter. And I thought, well, that's that's basically what they are, is a slow-moving cutter that moves that same, the opposite direction of your throwing arm. Now, they're going to, the Rays are going to extend every caution into the world to this, is it left? He's a lefty, right? Righty. He's a righty. Okay, so every caution in the world on his right arm because of all of the injuries it's had. So, does he ever this this season? I'd be shocked if he ever goes more than three innings for the Rays. Is that? Yeah, I, I it's it's hard to say what they what they do with him. Like, they're obviously going to watch how many innings overall. I mean, this should be at least part of it that they only used him for two innings today. It was just meant to be an opener. That's and all that they wanted for it. So I think he could thrive in like an opener, like a that non traditional like three one and a half times through the order type of thing. I think they're going to like. I see him as a late. Uh, a later season weapon in this type of a role. Uh, I can definitely see him being used. He has all the confidence in the world that you'd ever want. Uh, when you're rating someone's tools and skill set, when it comes to confidence, not cockiness, confidence. Uh, he's a 10 uh, when you put that, or an 80 on the 2080 scale, right? It's, it's definitely there. He trusts his stuff. Uh, you saw it there today. He's an interesting, uh, fascinating uh, person to watch and storyline uh, for the, this upcoming year. Again, was already sent back down, was just meant to be the one time here. Uh, but uh, definitely be interesting to see when he uh, he returns. He's gonna be playing a key role for the Rays in various spots throughout the year. That's somebody you want to cheer for, right? Like when you have that overcome many that many surgeries, back. That's someone. Uh, this is a former. I'm sure we've mentioned before, former pick. top prospect in this game. When top when the screwball overall, yeah. yeah. So to get him back and even to get two innings, it just means that he worked hard to do that. For uh, speaking of Colorado, because you mentioned uh, being texted from Buddy in Colorado, the, the All Star Game has uh, been announced to be uh, taking place at the uh, uh, home Coors Field. Uh, Coors Field. Coors Field. So Colorado got it. They pulled it out of Atlanta for political reasons, and they decided to move it to Colorado. And so I'm sure it's in July. I didn't see a date. I'm it's usually in July, right around my dad's birthday. My dad's birthday is July 9th, and it's usually right around there somewhere. So I didn't see a date, but. If you live in Colorado, congratulations. You get to short drive. I say the, the the two quick points. Number one, of course, you want to see a home run derby in Coors Field. So I, I'm, I'm all for it. That's, That's number one. Number two, the irony of the demographics. Uh, that's a, a head-scratching move as far as uh, the issues that brought things to the reason to move it for the first point, to move it to, yeah. Well, anyways, it's, it's I'm not even going to go into it. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. Uh, but uh, and coming up next, we're going to talk about those who are on a heater. 
uh, and uh, other segment called "You've Got You Got Burned." Those who've had their statement uh, uh, hits, wins, teams, all that sort of stuff. There's two or three potential all stars in there. For those on a heater, uh, we can begin with uh, Nate Lowe. Uh, traded to, from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays to the uh, Texas Rangers. Uh, was an early uh, trade acquisition, very early in the offseason. Uh, and Texas targeted him for the first base role. And uh, I definitely can say someone who's on a heater. Uh, 14 the, RBI in the first, like, uh, 10 games, yeah. roughly. What did the Rays get back in return for him? Do you, do you know? It, it's uh, prospects. It was uh, uh, someone who's highly rated, uh, Humberto Hernandez, uh, Catcher slash first baseman, uh, an excellent bat. Uh, defensive position, it remains to be seen. Uh, but they're high on, on the on the bat there. But uh, Nate Lowe is a uh, a streaky hitter. That's what I that's exactly what I was going to say about this. So obviously, G Manchu, I got hurt for the race. So I'm sure they wouldn't mind to have Nate Lowe back to play first base for him. But especially you're hitting like that. But here's what I'll say about Nate Lowe. We are now he's at 32 at bats for the season. He has one walk. One walk and twelve strikeouts. So, does he fit in well in Texas? That's with not a, sustainable. Does that's he fit in sure. well with a thirty-six percent strikeout rate? Yep, that oh, is yeah. that is Texas at its best. Can you sustain that with a three percent walk rate? Nope, that doesn't work. So, could he hit twenty-five plus home runs? Sure, absolutely, he could do that. Is his current? I guess he's down to two fifty. I would say that's even a little high. Uh, two twenty sounds more likely and. It's not bad. Like, I don't want to say Nate Lowe's a bad player. I think he can get walks. Uh, he's definitely doing more of the free swinging right now. Mm-hmm. But 220, 310 on base percentage. Yeah, which is a fine player. Like we said, Texas is rebuilding. Tampa Bay is not. So Nate Lowe is a fine rebuilding tool for Texas. Like, And you give him, him a, at first a full, base. You put him out at first and see what happens over the course of a full year and see what shakes out. It it makes sense for Texas, and it's nice to see him off to a, uh, a hot start. He even has a stolen base. That's you're not going to see him lighting up the the stat board in that category too often. Uh, speaking of lighting up the stat category again, welcome back JD Martinez. So here's what I'll say about JD Martinez, and I'm just going to throw the whole Red Sox in. So last week we sat here, and I think we I, we said that the Red Sox were going to finish in in last, and they were 0 three against the Baltimore, and they have not lost since then, and they have lit up the scoreboard. So here's what I say: JD complained about not being able to use his digital help last year. I think JD got his iPad back. Listen to the heater and said, "I'm going to prove those guys wrong." Well, uh, we need to find out who are we saying is is terrible right now, so this way you know who to go put your money on this week. That's and right. We need to put our uh, uh, put our seal of, of disapproval on it to know which ones so to then go, go out bet for. on those guys. So JD looked great today. He hit three home runs. I be- I saw somewhere that he became the first person or one of the maybe five. It was. I didn't catch the number. So one of the rare people who's had three different teams where he hit three different home runs on. So it's hard to remember, but J.D. Martinez has actually played with Detroit and Houston. It seems like forever ago, but in one game, he is one of the rare players who's had three home runs in a single game. He was leading baseball going into today in doubles at seven. After today, I think he's at five home runs. I Probably 15. Actually, I don't know how many RBIs. He probably even has more than that now. So last year was terrible, right? Last year was terrible, but he said... I don't like it that I can't watch video, and that's back. Now, the 433 average isn't going to last, but J.D. Martinez has had five years of 300 averages, and then last year he had 213. 
Could he hit 300 again? Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think we said Back last year. with a vengeance, that's for we sure. We said last year, J.D. Martinez is not washed. There was no way J.D. Martinez was washed. All the stat cast stuff was still there. He still hit the ball hard. J.D. Martinez could very easily make a run at the MVP this year, and I would say, yep, that's certainly doable. Especially depending upon what Boston ends up doing overall. Uh, uh, record-wise, uh, goes his ceiling as far as uh, MVP candidate. Their offense has been good. Their pitching is still really bad. We're going to talk about that here, too. Uh, Jonathan India, one of the young guys uh, coming out uh, in uh, the season, rookie uh, with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, he has been one of the guys leading the offensive charge for the Cincinnati Reds to start the year. So, And they, they've scored a ton of runs. I think they were leading baseball. I'm going into today and runs scored. And India is a, another one who was drafted fifth overall a few years ago and kind of got, I don't want to say forgotten about, but sort of passed up like a forgotten about prospect who – is getting a second chance here, and here's my question with India, and I, I like Jonathan India. I think he's very good. Eugenio Suarez, his D, I haven't seen it, but last I checked was still really bad at shortstop, so if they have to move him back to third, they're going to move Mike Moustakis to second, and then is there a spot for India still? So that, that's my only concern with Jonathan India is can as long as Suarez plays short, you can keep him at second. Without that, though, they're paying way too much money to Mike Moustakis and Eugenio Suarez to let Jonathan India play over those guys. It's going to be a, uh, uh, again, and maybe he can move around enough platoon within him to get spot starts at third, spot starts at, at second. Uh, and I don't know if he can do left field or not, but uh, things that they'll be get a little more, uh, a little more tricky uh, within it, but they'll keep trying. They'll keep trying. Their outfield's been great too. They had some amazing production out of Tyler Naquin. So that's another one who's been, uh, been, <laughs> yeah. uh, been hitting very well. Uh, Byron Buxton, uh, here's a guy who, again, sky's always been the limit for him as far as the ceiling goes, and uh, uh, there's some that are wondering, is this the year of Buxton? And uh, he's just, starting out well, but then there's the lingering health issues. It's always health, right? It's always been health. Going into today, I believe they had numbers one and two in slugging percentage with Buxton and Nelson Cruz, which Nelson Cruz isn't surprising. Now, Byron Buxton hitting, I think he's up to five home runs now, is is surprising. I think he's no one's doubted that he has power or that he has speed. He is the quintessential five-tool prospect where he has yep. unbelievable defense. He has power. He has speed. Like you said, he gets hurt. Now, I always thought he was more like a, a healthy season out of Buxton would be 20 home runs, 40 steals. The way he's looking so far, it's 40 home runs, 20 steals because he's never going to be on first base. Does he have that type of power? Yeah, probably. It's it's something we've never seen it, before. It's but. contactability enough to because it's again the the talent has been there for that, but it's been uh, especially when swinging for the fences that can change things he, he, uh, too. Encouragingly, he already has as many walks this season as he had all of last season. Now it's short go. season, but two walks for him in seven games is a big deal. And the strikeout rate, extremely small sample size applies. Usually it's twenty six, twenty nine, twenty eight. It's at nineteen this year. So. Lower the strop walks or lower the strikeouts, get some more walks. You never know. Those are always uh, the key recipe for success right and then there. Just stay healthy. Uh, your boy, as we switch to uh, uh, pitchers, Steven Strasburg has uh, uh, started out. Uh, uh, a, he's actually pitching. Uh, so that's, that's a, a heater number one for him. Mm. And now, too, the results are there. The results are always there. That's like the results are always there. I said he's got more innings this year than he got all of last year. We're at six instead of five, and when he pitches, he's always really good, right? Nobody doubts Steven Strasburg's ability. It's the health. So does he get to you know we've seen five innings in the last two years. Does he get to 150 innings? I, I am at this point. I have no faith in him getting to that number. 
when he pitches, will the Nationals win a lot of those games? Yes. Yes, they will. He will strike out plenty of guys because he has electric stuff. He tends to walk a few too many, but overall, yeah, he's going to be great when he's on the mound, but 100, in, 100 innings will be amazing for me at this point. Speaking of winning most of his starts, Lance Lynn with the uh, Chicago White Sox has started out exactly the way that uh, uh, they w- wanted it on paper uh, for what they want him to do at the at the veteran presence at the top of the rotation. Veteran presence who eats innings. Veteran presence who eats innings. And I told you when we started, when we were upstairs, actually, that if if you gave me a bet, and I didn't get the odds in Vegas, but if there was a pitcher most likely to lead this league and wins this year, I think it might be Lance Lynn. And now I don't think he's the best pitcher. I don't even think he's the best pitcher on his team. But they are going to let that guy go to the sixth inning every time he's even sort of effective. He's going to get all the opportunities to eat innings for this team. And the other night, I don't remember who it was against, but he pitched the complete game, the shutout. First one of the year, I thought they were supposed to be limiting innings, and he pitched a complete game and looked great doing it. Uh, the strikeouts are actually surprisingly high this year. He's usually not a huge strikeout guy, but he gets a lot of ground balls. He's always gotten ground balls going back to the Cardinals days. And as long as you get ground balls, it's easier to limit home runs, which leads to good ERAs. We look at bullpen uh, uh, pitchers, and we have Jose Alvarado, who is already uh, exciting things in Philadelphia as a team that struggled uh, with the bullpen last year. Uh, Archie Bradley has been solid for them, but also uh, so hopefully he's a short stay on the IL for him. Uh, but Jose Alvarado uh, came into into camp uh, a good 20 to 25 pounds lighter, uh, focused, uh, ready to go for the season, and three and two-third innings so far, nine strikeouts, uh, and you always knew the, the swing and miss was there, but more importantly, only one walk. That's that's always the key with almost any bullpen guy. And last year, his – actually, two years ago, I should say. Last year, everything's weird. But two years ago, the walks were really high, 27 and 30 innings. The year before that, 29 and 64. You can survive at 29 walks and 64 innings. And like you said, if you're, you're walking one for every three innings, roughly, as a bullpen or a relief pitcher, that's okay. And limiting hard contact, again, it looks like. So the strikeouts are up. So do I think that he's going to leave this team – I think it was – you said last week, I'll leave the team that in saves. the hot take. I still think Hector Neris does it, but I do think that the Phillies, we talk about teams seeing a weakness and filling them. And even though Archie Bradley got hurt, Phillies saw a weakness. They signed Hector, they had Hector Neris. They signed Archie Bradley. They traded for Jose Alvarado. And like on lower key, they brought in Brandon Kinsler. And Phillies off to a great start. Good for them. And, of course, if you uh, throw a no-hitter, uh, you will be mentioned on the On a Heater uh, segment here. So Joe Musgrove, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates uh, positive of the week. If you leave Pittsburgh, you may actually pitch very well. Uh, yeah. The odds are actually more in your favor that you will. Uh, the Again, we mentioned before in previous podcasts that uh, the the rotation that the Pirates uh uh, previous Pirates there would probably be the best in the uh, Major League Baseball from those who have left and gone on to other teams and been extremely successful. You can now add Joe Musgrove to that list. Before I get into Joe Musgrove's start, did you know that Joe Musgrove's next start is against Pittsburgh? I, I said, uh, watch out, Johnny Vandermeer. You, this could be two in a row because their offense is horrendously you bad. just have to love the... It's it's hard not to be romantic about That's baseball. Right. Uh, <laughs> that quote is very very good for many different reasons, but especially that one because uh, appropriately. And again, I'm sorry to any Pittsburgh Pirates uh, fans that are out there. Uh, first, proud of you to, to stay with it, but uh, as someone who's uh, been 
had his team be uh, dinged many times through national media. I hate to keep uh, uh, bouncing on him here, but for this one, this week, leading up to the start, because that's all that they're going to talk about in this series, and their GM and whoever runs their pitching philosophy and putting all that together, they deserve to have their noses rubbed all in this because your philosophy is killing any chance you have of present and future success. Uh, And him coming up after doing a no-hitter, for this to be the first time back, you just have to appreciate it. So the no-hitter was amazing. Nine innings against the Rangers. Nine innings. He actually didn't give up a walk either. He hit Joey Gallo in the fifth inning, and that was the only base runner that reached base. And his first start was awesome, too. He's actually up to 15 innings. He has given up no earned runs this season. He struck out 18. Joe Musgrove looks amazing. Uh, I don't know what else you could say about him. It's, like you said, you're on a heater when you pitch a no-hitter, and he hasn't walked a guy yet either. And that's always been the question with Musgrove is, can he limit the walks? And if he's going to limit the walks, he's going to be great. Anyone else you want to mention on the uh, on a heater this week? Nope, you got my guys. I have right. Joe Musgrove, Lance Lynn, and the Twins hitters, so we got all your my guys. Then we've got You Got Burned, uh, statement, uh, either statement win, uh, statement from a, a player overall, but something where a standout uh, performance or issue that came up uh, as far as uh, this week is concerned. Uh, here I have Rays versus Yankees uh, going back to, to last year, and I did as a, uh, a Rays fan enjoy the schadenfreude of that opening game when they got to be the ones there for the Rays home opener to see the unveiling of the banners and reliving all on the video screen all of last year and how they didn't uh, couldn't get there. Uh, national media has already moved on from the Rays, and you get it from all the, the players that have been traded, the injuries that are there. It's all about the, the big market team, and, and New York is right there. And so the question is, uh, I think it was MLB Tonight uh, was asking, you know, can the, can the Rays uh, – catch up to the Yankees when, okay, let's, let's put it back in context. I still live by the theory, you're the champs until someone dethrones you. So it's really the other way around. The Yankees need to prove they can actually beat the Rays, which, by the way, in the last two years, they cannot. 18 games since the start of 2020, the Rays are 13-5 and versus the New York Yankees. This weekend, despite all of those injuries and everything that they've been going through there, 2-1, and one, won the series versus the Yankees. Yankees, it took them extra innings in today's game to even... Uh, scratch out a win and, and stave off the the sweep. That's good, right? If you got all those injuries and you're still able to beat the, the presumed favorite, right? I mean, everybody's going to say the Yankees are their presumed favorite and you're beating them, so that's a statement win. I'm going to keep it to my team, unless you have something else to say. No, go ahead. I'm going to keep it to, not my team, not the Brewers, but the Kansas City Royals, right? They're yes. above 500. They're above 500, so they've played the Indians, split, and they've played the White Sox, split. Now, it's not a, those are not series wins, but... Hey, it's division. It's in it's the division. division. They're saying that they can hang with the Indians. They can. They came back today on the White Sox. Carlos Santana hit a late home run off of Liam Hendricks, right? Caused him to blow the save, beat him in extra innings. Um, at least I feel. At least I feel like they're showing that they're a good team. Wait until we get there, and you will have those that are in the game agreeing with you yeah. as far as the uh, the high uh, the high ceiling. Of the Kansas City Royals, uh, the, how people in baseball believe uh, the number one team that they believe is going to be uh, good this year. Good. Kansas City's name is going to come up. So you are in. Uh, you were ahead of the company that's okay. coming for as far as national media reporting on it and talking about others that are coming up. So we'll, we'll in our next segment, we'll, we'll deal with that as well. Uh, other one I was going to mention here, Nick Castellanos uh, with a, uh, <laughs> a collision play at uh, home plate. 
and uh, did the full what's up uh, afterwards that caused a nice dust up. Again, it's not opening weekend and not opening week of baseball if you don't have at least one benches clearing incident to get the get things going. It's always uh, the Cardinals. It's always the Cardinals. Like they have no. Okay, so and, and that's why Reds Cardinals division. You already have someone trying to establish dominance in a different way, uh, and this is the Reds still trying to send a message. He wasn't. It wasn't that big of a deal, right? He got hit. It was just the 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 arrogant thing afterwards that caused the ruffle always, feathers. Like, Yadier Molina is a possible, probably a Hall of Fame catcher someday, but he's always this like in his mind the policeman of baseball, I guess, and so he had to deal with it. And Castellanos got a two game suspension, which is not like all this Chapman got a two game suspension for throwing a pitch behind someone at 102 miles an hour. And Nick Castellanos got one for standing up over the guy. And so baseball it'll get is reduced to one. I'm he's, sure. he's yeah, appealing. Right? It'll, it'll get, get reduced, reduced to one. one, but like it's they're they're they have want no fun, right? Like, and it's not, I don't want to say it's fun, but it wasn't dangerous. Like it was not a dangerous play. Let's compare it this way. In the NBA, when you dunk over someone, you poster them, you, they do the same thing. In NFL, when you deck a guy or get him good and it's a clean play, same thing happens. It's in MLB that you're not allowed to respond in any way, and that's going to start changing too. As we, there's already an article on ESPN about that of the the flair of the game of being there with the younger it. players. It, like Fernando Tatis is fun, right? He bat flips. Who cares? Don't pitch him like that if you don't want him to bat flip. Oh, remember it was last year. It was remember. Don't hit the grand slam because you're up seven to three or whatever it was. Like swing. Have fun. Make the game more entertaining. In the next five years, you'll see some of those unwritten rules being changed with the next generation. And so this is the transition time that's there. Uh, and there's things that just uh, you just didn't do before. That's changing now and not necessarily a, a bad thing. It's just a matter it, – it's different. And you still have that transition period taking place. That's what's going on there. And then one more thing about Nick Cassianos. He's also been great to start the year. Uh, last year, we were really on him. I don't know if we said – we talked about him in the previews, but – he is leading the National League, I think, in doubles when I last saw with a very strong, like, 430 average. And his was always last year was a lot of bad luck for the, all the Reds. And this year it seems to at least early on flipped. And I said they, they were leading baseball in runs last I checked. A early hot take was uh, after he signed with uh, the Reds, I said he was the best offensive player added uh, with it. It might take another year to finally get there, but that hot take might actually happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but speaking of heat, where's the heat? As we look at the opposite for those who have not started out well, uh, or who have been on a, a, a definite uh, cold streak here. Uh, Alex Colome has uh, always managed to pitch ahead of his peripherals, uh, ahead of the advanced stats, and people have viewed him as a ticking time bomb. When is it finally going to catch up to him? And now there's concern after two blown saves already as closer for the, uh, uh, well, has been acting in different spots there with it with the uh, Minnesota Twins. Uh there's uh, some early season jitters going on there. I said when they signed him, he should not be the closer. It should be Taylor Rogers. Taylor Rogers had the bad ERA last year and the great peripherals. Alex Colomay had the great ERA last year and the terrible peripherals. So like you said, has he always pitched above it? Yeah, that's what you get when you throw. Once he, He's another basically one-pitch pitcher who gets a ton of ground balls because he throws a cutter. Now, can it work? Sure. He's shown that he can be a good pitcher. Am I surprised that he's had a couple of bad outings? No, he puts a lot of guys on base and he relies on a lot of ground balls and stranding runners because he doesn't strike. Actually, the strikeouts are actually up this year, but that's surprising. Uh, go to Taylor Rogers. Don't be afraid to use Alex Colome. Use it him and Hansel Robles who they also brought in this offseason and take advantage of the fact that you have a deep bullpen, but 
Don't rely on Alex Colomay to be your closer. Take advantage of Taylor Rogers' left arm. I don't. I hate the idea that people don't like using a closer because they're left-handed. Like, use them. Chapman's amazing. Hater's amazing. Use your best closer, even though they're left-handed. Absolutely. Two hitters who've uh, definitely not gotten off to a high temp start. Keston Hira is three for twenty-eight. Miguel Sano three for thirty-three with sixteen strikeouts. Okay, let's start with Hira. So Hira, we mentioned last week, was possibly a minor league candidate. And it took a while. He finally got a double, I guess, a couple nights ago. And they've He's starting Craig to Council, shake loose. Yeah, Craig Council finally moved him down in the lineup from the second hole. I could I was getting so sick of him batting two every day. And I'm like, give this guy a break. Like just less pressure. So he batted him sixth. He had a home run and another single that day. And he looks better. Like the bats are better. Now, he's certainly encouraging, not there yet, but encouraging, encouraging is a good word for it. So is he out of the woods yet? No, no, he's not like he's not fully back to where I expect him to be if he's going to be a great player. But there is encouraging signs there. That's good. As for Miguel Sano, Sano is always a strikeout guy. You want to talk about a streaky player like when he makes contact, it's It's as hard as anybody, right? Like, yep. Is he going to have a stretches like this? If you had this stretch in the middle of July, would I be surprised? No. Now, at the beginning of the year, it looks terrible. At the end, he'll probably have his 210-ish batting average with way too many strikeouts. That's going to be true, but he'll probably hit 35 home runs because he has unbelievable like power when he makes contact. Same scenario with the crown jewel of the New York Mets offseason, Francisco Lindor starting out 3 for 17. Okay, they have had such a weird season anyways. I have yeah. no concerns because, yeah. like, you're getting ready to ramp up your season and then you miss because the other team has COVID and they've had two rainouts already, right? Like, I have no concerns about Francisco Lindor. The Mets, though, when I have seen them, I would t- Jacob DeGrom, dude, like, I'm so sorry oh, that you one. play for the Mets, man. <laughs> I am so sorry you play for the Mets. You are so good and they do nothing to help you out. But, no, the Mets are going to be just fine. Lindor's good. He's got to go visit someone, a shaman. Go across the board. Go visit every holy man Follow you can. Follow your Kyrie Irving, go, go everywhere across the board and find a way to get this jinx off you because this is uh, otherworldly level at this point for how many years it's been there. You would think at some point, law of averages eventually catches up. They've not switched you're players. Like, they've switched how many players? Like you said, Lindor, and they've had Dom Smith come in, and they've switched players, but the dude has never gets any run support, and he's just – Consistently excellent, and Jacob DeGrom, we all feel for you, man. Everybody appreciates your greatness, but the Mets offense does not. We're going to look at two pitchers here. We have Madison Bumgarner and Luis Castillo. Madison Bumgarner, uh, nine innings pitched, giving up 15 hits, five walks, 10 strikeouts, 11 runs, two of them ho- two uh, home runs overall. Uh, again, 11 ERA and uh, two starts. And then you have Luis Castillo, and uh, one of the potential Cy Young candidates overall for this year. Uh, 10.1 innings pitched, eight earned runs, three walks, only five strikeouts. That's more of the concerning thing for him. He's a strikeout pitcher. And when I look at these numbers, I haven't watched him pitch. i just looking at the numbers from the box score. It, it's the strikeouts that concern me. The runs, that all evens out eventually. Yeah, he's looking at a 7 ERA, but it's always balloons with these short uh, uh, short little clips here. But the five strikeouts, that, that's gotten me a little concerned. Let me start with Baumgartner quick. Okay, so Bumgarner, I watched Bumgarner pitch the first game. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I said Madison Bumgarner. He's done. Yeah, he, he's done. Madison Bumgarner is done. Like he, I, the question with Madison Bumgarner is, does he someday make the Hall of Fame because of his Giants career? Like 
right? It was an amazing Giants career. Like Madison Bumgarner was an amazing pitcher who had all the, they gave him so many innings, right? Like it was the Giants were willing to throw him out there every three days in the postseason. And he led them to, was it three World Series, right? Three World Series. So like a legend of this game at one point. Now it's kind of a sad walk. It's a sad ending to his career here. He cannot throw what he used to throw and people tee off on him. No, I have legit concerns that Madison Bumgarner, like you said, is just not, there's no way he's going to play out all five years of that thing. That contract. His ceiling at this point is a, is a five ERA. That's the yeah. ceiling. Oh, yeah. It's he's at some point you can't keep trotting him out there. I don't know what they're going to do because they again, why they, that was still one of the most head scratching moves of that offseason to give him that money that multi year deal because he was still shaky at best leading into uh, a free agency. There he did just enough, but no one believed that all of a sudden he's going to roll back time and they give him that huge contract. And from, from day one, it's been a terrible contract. Madison Bumgarner has not had a winning season. I said, I don't like wins as a pitching stat, but he has not had a winning season since 2016. So yeah, five years, 85 million. The Diamondbacks are on the hook for there. They got one year down. You're in the second year. That that could go down as one of the worst contracts yep. in baseball. Yep. That includes like, like Albert Pools was great for a while, right? Like, you didn't get anything out of Madison Bumgarner. And is it going to get better? No. His peak is Jake Arrieta now, right? Like an yeah. old guy who can sort of control the zone and maybe get a five ERA. Like that's the peak at this point. And Absolutely. so, yeah, that's a bad one. As for Luis Castillo, the first start was terrible. I believe he gave up all eight of those runs in that start. And I did not see that one, but I know that it was exceptionally cold. And his velocity was way down. So if you're a guy who relies on the changeup, and you're throwing two miles an hour less, that's tough. So he gave up a lot of runs. Less and separation and pitches. The last start is when he got all five of those strikeouts, and he looked much better. So very – do I think he's going to win the Cy Young Award this year? Uh, probably not, but would I be surprised if he was still really, really good and had a sub-3 array? No, I guess he will be fine. Anyone else on your uh, – in, in need of heat? I have just the Oakland Athletics. The Oakland Athletics yeah. as a team – now we said that we neither one of us picked the Oakland Athletics to win the West. We thought that it might be kind of rough, but it has been real tough out in Oakland. They do not look very good at all, and, and it's across the board, you can't pinpoint any one thing. They have just looked bad. Period. Yeah. So the the pitching, I, I think we both said you know they don't have an ace, but Chris Bassett has looked horrendous. That was going to be their ace. Montas has got has got finger issues already, and Lazardo, they're not a. They're afraid to give him any innings, and he didn't look very good the other day when I watched him pitch. So Oakland is looking really bad. And then I got Raziel Iglesias. The Angels made the big trade, and he has two blown saves already. So I'm not – they're going to – they gave up too much to take him out of that closers role. I still think the talent is going to be there, and he'll be okay. But a weekend, that's that's not what you want out of your big offseason acquisition and a pitching staff that was weak already. Coming up next, we'll tell you what's got us hot and bothered from this past week as we look at a few uh, other key uh, issues that have come up. Trevor Bauer makes his way into the news and continues to swat away the antagonist and plays his role as the, the villain and does it well. More information coming up next. Cut my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk. I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile. Please, then cut it. You, bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, hula hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see? 
people today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Bolton fan. Yes! That's awesome! Someone who didn't shake uh, and preferred to stand there as a statue and almost try to lean into the pitch and who put his elbow out into the strike zone was the controversial Mets walk-off win uh, with Michael Conforto uh, at the plate and uh, gets hit by the elbow across the plate. They uh, rule it as a hit-by-pitch. That's the guy that, with bases loaded, walks in the... It would have been strike three uh, instead... Walks in the the winning run, so a walk-off hit-by-pitch is what takes place here. And uh, uh, many people were uh, upset by that. Even the the Mets' own uh, TV announcers uh, mm-hmm. were talking about that. When you even have the the your own announcers saying this play was wrong, uh, you got it wrong. It's, it's a Bush League win, right? They were going to win that game. I think there was only one out and the bases were loaded. So Anthony Bass would looking terrible for the Marlins. They've sort of already taken him out of the closer's role, so... It's Bush League. He clearly leans in. The pitch is going to be a strike. The umpire starts to motion for strike three, and then he's just like, oh, he got hit, so I got to send him down there. And, and I have real problems with guys leaning into pitches, right? So that's a problem. But that's not the worst part of this whole thing. The worst part of this whole thing is that baseball reviews this. They send it to the MLB instant replay office, and they say, well, is this a real hit by pitcher? Does he lean in? And Every person on planet Earth can tell that this is a strike. He is literally being hit with a strike that is going to hit the strike zone. And they, they say keep saying it's non-reviewable, but if it's a strike, you can argue it was yes. a strike. Like that's something that should be and is reviewable. They they blew this. <laughs> they completely don't switch. They do not switch this call. And the Marlins, I said, they're highly unlikely to win that game anyways. But the fact is, that should have been an out, and it wasn't. And baseball gave. I don't say they gave the Mets a win, but they gave the Mets a win. And the fact that. He got on first base when he didn't deserve it. And the, uh, as far as being uh, hot and bothered here, the the most worthless piece of technology that is out there in uh, in the world today, Major League Baseball Instant Replay. Uh, how many times in the first 10 games have we seen issues? Like It seems like every day something comes up where you can see it. Tampa Bay Rays versus the uh, Boston Red Sox. You had it where you could see the catch before it hits the... Uh, uh, before it hits the the green monster, and the the catch was there, uh, or the other way around, it hit the monster first. There was a raise that were up to the plate, and then the defender was going for it. You could hear it, plain as day. That's not a, a glove hitting it. You can hear it plain mm-hmm. as day, as well as see it when they came back from the the commercial. They showed you that the ricochet. They still called it an out. Uh, and there's been how many of those examples across Major League Baseball, like M- NBA, their instant replay. By and large, they get it right. Uh, NFL, by and large, they get it right. I've never seen, again, the point of this technology is that we get to stop, look at it, and actually get the call right. That's what makes it worth the uh, the playing time stoppage and the lo- uh, making the game longer to get the call right. This just makes the game longer and makes it worse because even fans can see it, but somehow this office can't get it, get it right. I don't understand. I saw one... Last night, two nights ago, I was watching the Dodgers game, and A.J. Pollock clearly catches the ball. It was ruled it's a trap on the field, and they send it to instant replay, and there's a great camera angle. Like, it is a great camera. Sometimes I complain about baseball's camera angles. I don't know how we're in 2021, and they can't get a straight-down-the-line camera angle. I have no idea how that's possible, but okay. But this is great, and they still ruled it a trap. And I'm like, so like you said, if 
if you have the technology, take advantage of it. I baseball's the worst at it, and it's it's got to change. <laughs> Either get it right or get rid of it. That's, exactly, that, like you said, Ma- Rob point. wants quicker games. Then fine, get rid of it. At this point, we've seen we saw hundred years of baseball without it, and yeah, there was certainly problems. What was it? The Andre Scalaraga perfect game that wasn't because the call got wrong. So it happens. But if you have the technology, get the stuff right. See, overall, again, with the other sports, uh, I was like, beginning, not really caring for instant replay overall, but you saw how they got it right or how it was worth it. So then I I, I grew accustomed to it and was fine with it. You saw the, the value to it. There's no value to Major League Baseball doing it yet. They still do not have this right. It's in. It's incomprehensible to me how they get it this wrong, despite having the extra time to look at it, especially when it's not coming from the the officials at the game. You have an actual office for this. How much money are you just pissing away because you can't even get a basic what anyone on TV can see because they get the camera angles too from that. Give it up to the let Fox Sports, let Bali Sports, whoever's taken over the stuff within it, let them do it then because obviously you can't in New York. That's that's for sure. Like if you talk about teams sports that didn't get it right football was one year where they were going to let you review pass interference and they basically said well there were certain times where you could tell clear pass interference and they're like well we're not going to change this call and they're like after one year they said you know what this is pointless because we're never overturning this so they got rid of it and i guess you said if if you're not going to do anything about it there's no point in doing it so get it right or get it out yep uh that would be another interesting question to ask Trevor Bauer, uh, who uh, the only one that's come out, and again, he called him out on it. So first you have, we talked about this as a storyline to follow, as far as baseball wanting to cut down on whatever pitchers with their hands put on uh, the ball uh, and uh, wanting to start tracking like, like RPMs and tracking advanced stats to try to see is anything changing uh, from that standpoint for, for pitchers, and then looking at the baseballs themselves, they said this was going to be anonymous. Baseball always does this, and then magically sources come out to national media, except only on one person, Trevor Bauer. Baseballs have been uh, confiscated uh, from those games to be further reviewed, uh, and again, that wasn't supposed to be public knowledge, uh, but magically that gets out there, and Trevor Bauer calls them out on it. As he should, like, as he should. So they said that there was visible markings and stickiness to the balls. Okay, that's that's possible. Guess what? It could have hit the pine tar. Bats are full of pine tar. It could very easily get sticky, right? That's how you get a marking on it. If, if I'm Trevor Bauer, and I love the fact that he embraces this stuff at this point. I'm, I'm all in on Trevor Bauer at this point, even being his usual self. So he said, you know, I, he's been calling this out for years. When, when other people were doing this, he said... The Astros are using the sticky substances, and look how good Garrett Cole is because famously, Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, while UCLA teammates, don't get along very well. So suddenly it's Trevor Bauer wins the Cy Young, gets this huge contract, and yeah, the spin rates are really high. The spin rates are really high, and what spin rate does is makes the ball move more. So you throw a curveball and it spins more, it moves more. You throw a fastball with spin and it can actually rise. So is that why he's good? Yeah, probably, but is that the only reason he's good? No, and should he be... It's a matter of how how many other people uh, do do this, uh, and then you have to evaluate it overall and figure out how you want to do it. But if you're also wanting to cut it down, you also don't just go after one, and also don't go after the one who's going to hit you back. Uh, And he called out all the the MLB journalists for being gossip columnists and uh, uh, the joke of MLB's anonymity with this process. And, uh, uh, And again, it's... It would be interesting to see because there's been no results from that and nothing has been stated at all so as far as where that goes. So say they 
truly find that there's sticky substances on this ball. And I said, he could just say it's pine tar, right? But if they come out with that, do we honestly think there's going to be discipline against Trevor Bauer? Well, and how, again, it's, it's, it's not about what actually happens. It's about what you can prove. So if we just stick to that point alone, uh, can you prove it came from him versus pine tar from a bat or how, like you don't, it, it does, you no good. All this does is draw is stir up a controversy and, and again, doesn't do anything that positively uh, helps the game. It only hurts it. It doesn't help in any which way, shape, or form. Because also, he's going to rightfully say not only did it happen or not, but then how are you then era- uh, evaluating this across the board for everyone else? You you don't have a system in place, and this is classic Major League Baseball, for going ahead with things that they don't even know what they're doing yet, i.e., take a look also at instant replay. This is not a an organization that knows how to put their best foot forward for any new thing that they're wanting to do. Uh, so I, I'm curious to see what happens there. But the part that really gets me uh, hot and bothered on this one was the Houston Astros owner coming out and saying that Major League Baseball needs to come out and take care of Trevor Bauer with whatever's going on with uh, Bauer's balls. And then wording, like, you want to talk about the worst worded tweet of the, of, the, of the year already? He's already got it down slam dunk because that's been mocked ever since then. But really, it's rich coming from you watching what your organization did uh, to now come out versus you just said it before we got started. Just shut up and play. There's such a like, good team. There's enough. Just stay out of the headlines. Let your team play. Let the focus be about that because all you do is draw people back to the the trash can stuff and all the other nonsense when you have a good team. Just let the team be the team. I would love, you know, they're not going to do it because they're going to toe the party line, which is fine. But just, like, talk to Alex Bregman and just say, like, so what do you actually think of this? Because he, he's trying to win baseball games. And guess what? He's got every person. They've still got all the fans cheering against him. And I said, I don't even care anymore at this point. They're really good. Do you like the inflatable, instead of beach balls, mm-hmm. the inflatable trash cans that are going and around? I'm loving it. Before he cheats and before games out in, I think it was Oakland played before <laughs> they cheat, before he cheats in the pregame. And it's like, okay, yeah. But they're really good at baseball. And guess what? They beat the shit out of Oakland. So that's how you silence the other stuff. Yes, they Go should. out there and handle your business. And they've already made the opening week statement of, of everything with their, their play. Their offense is so good. Zach Granke, by the way, I'll talk about that later, is, is still very, very good. Uh, and so there's a lot of uh, positives going on there. So, again, we'll see what happens with the uh, checking the, the pitchers within it. I, I'm no further convinced after hearing this that Major League Baseball is prepared to handle the situation. Uh, I hope they stop talking about it altogether. I hope they scrap it altogether because you're not ready for it, and it's just going to take away from the the beauty of the season. Uh, Hot-button issues. Uh, Taking a look at things from uh, around Major League Baseball, uh, articles, things that have been featured around the the best of the best for the week. I have a few things for you to uh, evaluate. Uh, And uh, first one up is from uh, Fangraphs, uh, noting that pitcher velocity is up. Uh, 92.7 miles per hour, that sounds low overall, but as far as the average fastball, the average speed of a pitch uh, is now up to, again, 92.7 miles per hour. So I guess let me take that back and clarify. The average speed period, so that includes off speed within this, is now up to 92.7. That's been up a full mile per hour from 2015 to this year. So that's definitely trending uh, in a larger direction. If you're asking for a reason why, I'm not smart enough to answer that. Now, some of it is, you know, some of these guys are going to drive line now. Let's become more popular. Trevor Bauer is the one who 
basically popularized that. And so that's part of it. But you can see it, right? You can see it. Corbin Burns is out there throwing 95 mile an hour cutters and two seamers. And yeah, that's really hard to hit. Jacob deGrom, as he's gotten older, somehow can now throw 100 miles an hour. He's still upping. Yeah, he's it's still amazing. Upping. It's crazy. So, and then I've seen, have you seen the closer, the closer part of the committee in Cleveland, Emmanuel Classe, is showing 102 mile an hour cut pitches? Like that's their closer now? Wow. He was he got suspended last year for the Roids, but that's who they got for Kluber, and you can see why. He looks amazing. So, yeah, velocity's up. A lot of it... It's extra rest on these arms that didn't go last the year. The extra rest. It's early season. And it's the fact that it's so much... The bullpen stuff now where they limit the starting pitcher's innings is, hey, guess what? You're only going to pitch an inning. Go throw as hard as you possibly can. And it's effective, right? Well, even starters with only going like five innings, you're able to empty the tank more. You're able to increase velocity more with things. Did you notice that the guy who got uh, DFA'd after the beginning of the year with the Atlanta Braves, Fulty, uh, is he he's up really to 95 good. miles an hour this year? I saw he was. I saw he had a great start today in Texas. I did not obviously I didn't watch it with the popcorn wagon, but yeah, I did see that he's throwing harder again. He and was like 90 last year. And if you're throwing harder, you're gonna hit, you have more room for error. Is the thing if you throw harder, you have a much greater margin of error if you miss a pitch. MLB.com had uh, an article on five teams that may have already that may already have legitimate concerns as you talk about the early warning signs. I'm just going to ask for just basic brief takes on these five. The first one, you mentioned this before, it talks about the Oakland Athletics. Did the bullpen makeover work? Unfortunately for them, Rosenthal got hurt. That hurt him a lot, right? They signed Rosenthal, and they didn't get an inning out of him for thoracic outlet syndrome. Now it sounds like he's going to be out for the season. And so did it work? Not the way, not so far. And so I wish they would just turn it. I've watched some Oakland games. Uh, I wish they turned over to JB Wendelkind in their bullpen to ask their closer. He's kind of a young kid and he throws really hard. So, so far I'd say no. And at this point, they're certainly not looking, they're looking up at both the Angels and the Astros. Second team mentioned St. Louis Cardinals. How's the rotation going to hold up? So I watched obviously some Cardinals games against the Brewers. Wainwright looks. So maybe that's Madison Bumgarner at his best. Is Adam Wainwright? But we'll see. Uh, the rotation is really thin, and so was the Cubs. And the Brewers have the the two pitchers that the Brewers have are so much better than anything the Cardinals can roll out there right now. And that's going to make it really hard for them to beat the Brewers. Legitimate concern with their rotation. I think it's a five hundred team. So do, do do I think they're going to make the playoffs? It would take a lot for them to make the playoffs this year. Atlanta Braves talking about will the offense regress? No, I have no concern. The Braves are so good, so they've still found a way. I think they're they're playing right now, and I think they're back to 500, if not a game above. Elby's has got like a 89 BABIP the last time I checked. 089, he's going to be great. Freddie Freeman is one of the best three hitters in baseball. I have no, they're going to be just. They're still going to score probably the second or third most runs in the game. Are you ready to mock me yet for my uh, uh, crazy uh, hot take from them last week of missing the playoffs? I said the Mets. The Mets have had a tough start to the season, so they're, they're going to be the NL East is really good, just like we said it was going to be. Fourth one is Milwaukee Brewers. Is the lineup going to be bad again? <sighs> yeah, I love, that's a good question. Um, it's going to be not as bad as last year, but it's not their strength anymore. Right? For a long time, it was it's hit a lot of home runs and see if we can bludgeon teams to death. Somehow Corbin Burns is 0-1. It's basically Jacob deGrom-like so far, and Brandon Woodruff, I think, has not got a decision yet, and he's been great. So they're gonna, those two are going to win them a lot of games. The offense is going to be good enough. I still think Christian Yelich 
it started kind of slow. He didn't have any home runs, but drawing a lot of walks. He looks better. Uh, Jackie Bradley has looked really t- rough as offensively early in the season, but he didn't have a spring training, right? He didn't get the yep. spring training. He yep. signed late, so I think it'll be fine. Garcia is uh, obviously had Garcia a looks good. Big game over the weekend. And Lawrence O'Kane had a couple home runs, so I think they'll be good enough. Final one from them is the Red Sox. What can we really expect from their rotation? Again, this was something you brought up earlier here. Yeah, the offense is really good, but the, ro- the rotation, Eduardo Rodriguez got back from his dead arm and looked pretty good the other day when I watched him pitch. And Evaldi's looked really good so far, and he's had these stretches in his career where he's it looks really good, but they really need Chris Sale to come back and be Chris Sale. Otherwise, they don't have enough pitching to compete with the Blue Jays, Yankees, or Tampa Bay Rays. ESPN went with their opening week hot takes, and the first one for them, New York Mets, uh, best starting rotation ERA along with the worst bullpen ERA, ending the season with. Hmm. Well, the best starting when you have Jacob Degrom, you certainly have a good chance of having the best starters ERA. Do we have we I haven't seen an update on Carlos Carrasco. They they need Carlos Carrasco and Noah Syndergaard to get back in order for them to have the best starters ERA because. The Dodgers have some really good pitchers out there in Los Angeles. And so I'll say it's certainly a hot take. Now, is their bullpen that bad? They signed Trevor May and Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz did give up a couple of earned runs the other day when I watched him. So he's always kind of, I don't know, he should Errat- be better erratic. than he is. Yeah, erratic. So I, it's more likely that their bullpen is bad, bad, I think, than their pitchers are the best. And starting pitchers are the best in baseball. I uh, Second question was, are the defending AL champs in trouble? Uh, talking about the, the Rays' early season uh, start to things, you talk about the, not only the, the talent lost in the offseason, but all the injuries that have been piling up and uh, asking that question. They're not the favorites, right? Look, they're not going to be the favorites. Correct. Are they in trouble? Um, they just won a couple against the Yankees. Are they going to have to work to be good again? Yeah, they're going to have to work to be good to beat the Yankees. Could they do it? Sure. We've seen them do it for years. Now, I didn't pick them to make the playoffs last week. Could they do that? Absolutely, they could do that. Are they? There's no way I'm picking them right now over the Astros. I'll tell you that. That much makes uh, complete sense to me as well. Again, I'm not sounding the alarm on them yet. Especially was encouraged with taking two or three versus the Yankees here. Uh, It's a matter you have to write it out and just stay close. Again, in that division, you just want to hang there until you get whatever reinforcements, whether it's from AAA or whether it's guys coming back from from the IL. No, they're certainly not the favorites, but they're they're going to be fine. Uh, mentioned the White Sox about being undefeated versus left-handed pitching, winless versus right-handed pitching, and is highlighting the overall, is this team uh, very good with the right-handed bats uh, versus the left-handed pitching? That's been seen. Is there a concern with that offense versus right-handed pitching? I'm trying to think of their lineup. Uh, I mean, it's probably just a weird short sample size thing, right? I'm, they're no going to strike concerns. out. They're going to strike out a lot. And that's actually a pretty good division too, right? It's they got the Twins and they got the Royals, so that's a good division too. So could Indians they miss the pitching playoffs? Pitching is still good. Yeah, the Indians' pitching is still good. So could they miss the playoffs? Yeah, sure. And I picked them to win the World Series last week. I but could they miss the playoffs? Yeah. But overall, I think they're still going to score lots of runs. Corbin Burns finishing top three in Cy Young. Sure. At, when you throw ninety eight miles an hour and it moves. So he basically throws two pitches. Well, he throws more than that, but his main two pitches are a cut fastball that goes to the left and a two seam fastball that goes to the right. And he tunnels them really well. And they both go 95 miles an hour. So as a hitter, it is really hard to make contact. I think he's given up 
three hits in 14 innings or something like that. One thing you again to learn as a baseball fan is you get different uh, terminology coming through. The big one with pitching anymore is pitch tunneling. Can you make every pitch or uh, multiple pitches look the same coming from out of the arm slot where you don't know what's coming? Uh, where again you always look for what little what little tips can you find to say okay this is gonna be off speed or oh, this is the fastball or uh, you're always looking for something as a hitter and the more that a pitcher can make them look the same the more effective those pitches are going to be and he does it very very well. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm glad that uh, ESPN is finally catching up to me because I don't have him top three. I have him top one. So and he, he could do that. And uh, finally, Otani will get at least one MVP vote. We'll get at least one? Oh, yeah. He'll, he'll get at least one. I, yeah, I'll say this. He could not pitch another inning all year because right now he got skipped. He got his start skipped with a blister. I bet you he could not pitch another inning all year. And as a DH, he would get one because he is that good of a hitter. I think he is one of the best DHs in the game already. Let's uh, go to that. That's one of the ones I have here from CBS. They had a an article this week uh, that would you rather have Otani the pitcher or, or Otani the slugger? If you had to pick one. This season or for his career? You got to tell me that, man. Career. Pitcher. They're more important, right? You want him to You want him to be a good pitcher. For what they're not, they're not paying him that much, but for what you want out of him, you want him to be a good pitcher. Do I think it's going to happen? I think he's going to probably end up being a better hitter than he is pitcher because he needs, we've said it so many times, he needs some control. Now, if he gets it, could he be a top 10 starter or whatever in this game? Sure. Could he have a top five Cy Young finish? Yup, because not many people throw that hard. But as long as he doesn't have that control, he's always going to be, he's going to, he's already, I said, he's one of the best DHs in the game. I was going to say, I think at his peak, he's a top five hitter in like the American league, uh, yeah. let alone DH. So to me, I'm going slugger because I want, uh, that's where I see the, the sure value. But of course you'd rather have, mm-hmm. if, if you can do it, you'd rather have the, the, the pitcher uh, that, that goes with it. Uh, one more thing from ESPN. And that's that they had their around the league predictions. They surveyed 28 executives, players, and scouts, and asked them various questions to see what they think, what their predictions are for the 2021 season. The team that is going to be the biggest surprise in a good way, the number one team ranked, again, from executives, players, and scouts. They agree with you, Corey. Kansas City Royals first (laughs) with seven, uh, which is more than uh, multiple by more. It's a cleared number one for this. It's not even close. They they are buying the Kansas City Royals uh, as an up-and-coming team. I feel good at having you on. I'll say this. Kansas City's look good. Uh, Mondesi's not there yet, so I'm hoping that he gets back and looks really good. And they actually haven't gotten very good pitching. Mike Miner did not pitch particularly well for him, and that was their big offseason signing. So, yeah, Mike, I've been impressed with Matheny's, like, raise usage of his bullpen where he's bounced so many. I think he's got four guys get a save already for him. So, whatever. They ha- also have a stable of horses over there that can throw 98 miles an hour. Uh Surprise in a, a bad way. Two teams were close together, the Cincinnati Reds and the Houston Astros. The Astros thing and has this to be, was, that this has was to be asked like, before. Had to be asked before their, their opening week start. That has to be a bunch of people worried about like the the fans or whatever getting to them, and I'm just not concerned about that at all. As for the Reds, did I I didn't have a high enough expectations, I don't think. I we had really high expectations last year and they lost Trevor Bauer, which certainly causes a big loss. And Sonny Gray's already hurt again. So I just don't think they have enough pitching if to compete. If it didn't happen with more talent last year, why would it happen with less talent this year? Yeah. Uh, best starter rebound, uh, Christian Yelich, uh, le- led by over double the margin. 
Uh, and, and we've talked about that. He's he's going to be fine. Yeah. JD Martinez came in second on that one. Both they're are nailing very fine. that. Yeah, those are those are good picks. Uh, let's see. That's the biggest part. There's others that are there. Feel free to check out the article if you'd like. Uh, the uh, last one, rounding it up, the Athletic Keith Law was checking in on the top 100 prospects. Uh, we've talked about some of these guys, but uh, uh, you know, guys that have. Uh, Started out well. You can talk about uh, India, who we talked about uh, in the hot streak. Casey Mize has uh, started out strong for the Detroit Tigers. He's throwing uh, the cutter the other day too, which is it's, so his big thing is the split fat. Like he's got a very good split finger fastball. He was throwing the cutter the other day when I was watching him, and the velocity was up. And you were talking about it earlier, the velocity up around baseball. So you know maybe they're hot guns. I don't know, but he looked effective. The multicolored hitters, I think I'll call it that way. You have Jazz Chisholm and Randy Arozarena. They're blue hair and, and, nice. and blonde hair. Uh, it was fun watching that opening weekend uh, with those two there. Uh, guys that are going to be very exciting to watch the entire year. Those are That's a good word for it. I, would have, I was going to say fun, so exciting is a good word for it. Jazz Chisholm had a home run off of Jacob deGrom, the only hit he gave up, so that's a good sign. And I think it was off a 100-mile-an-hour pitch. Arozarena, your rookie of the year pick, and at this point I would pick him too because Andrew Vaughn's not playing. Thank you, Tony Larusa. <laughs> but uh, Rosarena's had a couple home runs the last couple of days. Yeah, his uh, uh, the question is, can he do enough with them limiting the fastballs that they even throw him anymore? It's off speed, but he looked good with off speed last year too. Like he can recognize and he can hit. I guess the questions, the, the only concern I have, and it's not a very big one, is. Okay, you're going to start to get to the point. You know, there was a short season last year. You're going to get to the point where there starts to be more of a a scouting report, right? Yep. A scouting report on you. And then the good hitters adjust, right? The the great hitters adjust, and they figure out a way to keep hitting. And eventually, you know, maybe another month, and there'll be a good book on a Rosarena. And does he hit a slump, or does he adjust? Another outfielder uh, that has had a good uh, start to the year, Taylor Trammell. Yeah, Seattle. So Trammell is more of like a, I said, I think he's more of a placeholder till Kelnick gets there. But Hanegers looked really good, so you're not going to take him out. And I think they've been playing Jose Marmalemos. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. Uh, in the other outfield position, but Taylor Trammell's a, a very good prospect in his own right. He came over been in the overlooked after Austin being Nola very, trade. very hyped, very high on the list, and then now been uh, been passed off. And, and you, when he gets tra- when you got traded to Seattle, you moved from being and he wasn't necessarily a super high prospect in San Diego, but he's went through two of the best five systems in baseball. So now he's behind Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick, but that's not necessarily a slight on him. Uh, going back to pitching, uh, missed last year and had some other off-the-field issues or trying to figure things out. Uh, Michael Kopech? Kopech is playing Kopech. like uh, – he's he's doing like the – not really the follower role, but he's doing mid-relief and doing two, three innings at a time. And he's and it's lighting playing up the radar up. gun. It's playing up. So Kopech has always been able to throw hard, and that White Sox bullpen can really bring it with him and Garrett Crochet. So at some point – I would like to see Michael Kopech go back to being a starter by the end of this year, but once again, I don't trust Tony LaRusso to do that, so he's going to be very effective wherever he pitches. I'm going to throw just five more names at you. Feel free to respond to them from uh, Christian Pache, uh, Dylan Carlson, uh, to the pitchers, Tristan McKenzie, Taylor Skubal, and Ian Anderson. Okay, Christian Pache needs to go back to the minors. I watched Christian Pache. I the offense, their defense is incredible, and it always will be, but he needs some more seasoning. He's struck out, I think, 50% of the time, and he hasn't drawn a walk yet, and he needs to go back to the minors. Ian Anderson looks really good. That's no surprise. Tristan McKenzie, uh, I said, I wish he would, I wish he had another pitch. I, he basically only throws two really effectively, and he really needs like a changeup or something to, to throw out, to 
mess with timing. Who was the other one? Scoobal. Drink Scoobal, uh, Detroit. So he probably gets the least hype of Matt Manning, Casey Mize, and him, but he's been the one who's been the most effective. The strikeout rate is awesome with Drink Scoobal because he throws – he needs to trust his off-speed stuff more. He has the off-speed pitches that I wish Tristan McKenzie had, but he relies too much on his fastball. I think he threw it 75% of the time or something like that. Well, that wraps up our hot-button issues. Next up will be uh, Hot on the Trail. We're going to give uh, uh, overall our look at our predictions that we've made. Are there any that make us concerned, any that make us confident? We'll look at that coming up. Take away our phones and you could take away our keys, but you cannot take away our dreams. That's right, because we're like sleeping when we have them. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Before we get to the, the hot on the trail, when we look at our predictions, as well as your uh, uh, checking in on your, fa- on your fantasy team here, the opening weekend with that, I found your summer job, by the way. Oh, yeah? Uh, I, g- I got you all set up. Uh, there is a casino that is uh, offering to pay someone to be a uh, official uh, taste tester around uh, Major League ballparks, finding out the best hot dogs that are out there and uh, things that are there, offering a salad, uh, salad money for that for uh, the summer. So if you're looking for a good gig, I, that's I, a nice I, deal. See, there it's you a good go. deal. So I, I've got a lot of experience with popcorn, though. So that's uh, uh, if someone's looking uh, looking for the their, their summer dream gig, check it out. You'll be able to find it. Is actually on uh, WKOW. So oh, Wisconsin nice. Station nice. Was, was highlighting it. I don't have to go that uh, far. I don't know uh, if it's actually happening locally. I just know that they are the ones that were reporting it that I saw it from. Uh, so that was the last one on the list of uh, hot-button issues if you're looking for a, an excellent summer gig. But hot on the trail as we go back to our predictions, as we look at our Cy Young candidates, our MVP predictions, our division winners. Uh, on your predictions, is there any that you are – this would be definitely a hot take, but uh, concerned with. Any concerns from your opening predictions? Uh, Andrew Vaughn is not playing enough. Tony yeah. Larusa is not playing him. So, yeah, I've got concerns there. I wish they would put him in left field. He's, I think he's only got like 12 at-bats the last time I checked because every other day Tony Larusa is sitting him. So it's going to be really hard to win rookie of the year. Now, eventually, do I think he'll just play his way into that? If, if he gets enough at-bats in a row, I think so. But you can't ask a guy who's never played big league ball who had – not even a full minor league season to sit every other day and you know play your get into a rhythm. Consistency uh, of at bats is what you need if you want to actually get a guy in that rhythm. Uh, for me again, Corbin Burns. I have I'm, my confidence section, not concerned, but confidence section. Mm-hmm. He has looked every bit as good as what uh, has been hoped and, and advertised. Uh, it's always going to be my my Braves prediction. We'll see if it actually happens there. That's always going to be the, the concern, and I'll I'll gladly take egg on the face uh, uh, for that one. Um, as far as like a team, I guess the one that's a little worrisome would be the fact that you know, Atlanta's looked okay, but I wouldn't say that. I, w- I guess I'm not really worried about it. It's just kind of more. I wish they looked a little better. That Yankees rotation, uh, there's legitimate concerns. Uh, they sent uh, Herman to the alternate yep. site. Yeah, they sent Herman to the alt site already. Uh, 
Kluber has looked average at best. Uh, uh, as far as sustainability, like durability during a game of keeping up for enough innings, I, he might work behind an opener style, uh, but mm-hmm. he's not going to give you like five is even stretching it at this point. He's not there. Yet. Now you can say yet. You can say maybe with a little more time, he can build up the stamina. Sure. But that's always a risk with, with him. I see nothing in that like three to five in that rotation. That's uh uh, scary at all. They look old. They need Luis Severino to get back yes. for them is what they need. Absolutely. And trust, like another one, trust your young guy. Debbie Garcia was great when they let him pitch. And I, yeah, he's five foot nine tall, maybe. Cool. I, he can throw the ball really well. I would rather see Debbie Garcia than suppose, I, Jordan Montgomery's looked okay. I kind of like Jordan Montgomery, but I'd rather see Debbie Garcia than Domingo Herman at this point. How's the uh, uh, the uh, fantasy team doing? Is uh, off to a, an excellent start, yeah? So I was at third place going into today, and a lot of it depends on whether or not you have any pitchers, and I didn't have any pitchers going today. But I'm in fifth out of 15, which isn't bad. Out of 435, I'm right now in 157th. It's uh, a good foot. It's okay. That's good foot forward. It's okay. So I was leading the league in, in batting average. I'm leading the of the top 15. I'm leading in runs and batting average right now. I've only got 11 home runs, so Corey Seager's been great. He's hit like 400, but he has no home runs yet, which is kind of weird. They'll come, but I need some home runs, and uh, the only other one that I'm really low in, a lot of it's more like mid-pack now, so a lot of thirds, fourths, and that's how you end up in fifth place. I, a lot, I told you earlier in the week, I had a great start out of Brandon Woodruff. Seven innings, gave up one hit, no win. Wins a category, right? The same day, Hyunjin Ryu, seven innings, two earned, took the loss actually for me. I had Joe Musgrove. That was really helpful. Joe Musgrove, really good. No hitters are a wonderful thing to a fantasy team. So Julio Urias. Julio Urias has looked really good so far for the Dodgers. The Dodgers look incredible, but Urias has been have been a big part of that. And so, you know, it's it's been it's been fun. I I need Paul Goldschmidt to I need Paul Goldschmidt to get a little hotter, and I need some saves out of Aroldis Chapman. He doesn't have a save yet this season, which is kind of weird, but. Definitely more fluky for uh, the mm-hmm. uh, first week of, of the year. So tonight closes week one, right? Officially, this is the closing of week one. So I said I'll be in fifth place. It looks like I am. I have 92 points, which is my unlucky number, which sucks. But uh, first place is 108 and a half. So, you know, not dead. You can. It's still early in the season. It looks like some guy made up 35 points today. So and jumped from probably middle of the pack. He went. He jumped up in 10 spots from 10th to 2nd. So my guess is he had like J.D. Martinez or maybe some amazing pitcher. And you can make up a lot of ground. I think Woodruff pitches tomorrow. That'll, that should help bump me up on, if he has a nice start. When you have uh, two starts, always helps. He always like the, yep. the, how that scatters yep. through. So you lock him in. So these are weekly. You don't change it every day. So you got to look ahead and you got to try and play the matchup. So if you get two bad starts, you can do a lot of damage to your ERA and whip. But if you get two good starts, you can do a lot of good. I, I had that same day I was talking about where I had all those good starts. The Reds were up 11 to nothing, I believe. And they brought in Amir Garrett in a non-save situation where he proceeded to give up a walk, double, walk, grand slam. And then he got the next three guys out, and he got a couple saves later in the week. So it was still a good week, but that does not help your ERA and whip when you give up a grand slam. Our last uh, segment here for us is called The Hot Seat as we look at the best uh, like pitcher matchups of the week or, or team matchups of the week. I have two of them. Two here for you guys to uh, to keep an eye on here. On Monday, uh, we have uh, Casey Mize versus Zach Reinke. Uh, you have young versus old, uh, a nice uh, a nice pitching matchup there. I think that'll be a fun one uh, to uh, take a look at. Reinke's always fun to watch just because you never know. You might see a 60-mile-an-hour pitch. It, always uh, something there. 
Uh, and uh, then one that happens uh, frequently, especially AL East, the Rays and Yankees matchup next weekend. Saturday, it's Tyler Glass now versus Garrett Cole. That's the big uh, so one. So that's, that that's always the fun one to watch, that's and they're the going to line up that way for many years to come. Uh, and again, if you haven't heard, uh, haven't seen Tyler Glass now or heard anything from him this year, he has added a new pitch that has been very effective. Uh, again, a guy who has always had two very good pitches. He has the 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 big rising fastball, can get up to over 100 miles an hour. Uh, you have that curveball that is that knee buckler, uh, but now you have like this. Uh, Slider cutter hybrid, and it's uh, it's effective. So now he was trying to get the changeup to be that third pitch. He could never get the again. We talked about pitch tunneling, right? He could always whenever he did it, he would slow down his motion. He telegraphed the pitch every time. That's been the problem. That pitch has been just about ditched. He has added a different third pitch, very effective. He now has three legitimate pitches. That's going to make him a Cy Young candidate throughout the year. Uh, that was the, the changer for him, and we'll be seeing that as the year goes on. And Garrett Cole, you're going to see four, <laughs> four put away. Like he has four above average pitches. The fastball can go 98, and then six slider, amazing changeup, amazing for a guy that throws that hard. What he can do. This just popped in my head, and now it's, it seems very true to me. The New York Yankees are now the Atlanta Braves from last year. He was uh, the first guy, and then everyone else. Right, that's what you had there at the the top of their rotation. Now, the rest of the rotation isn't as bad as what Atlanta's was to begin the year, but then relying on their offense to carry through. Uh, they have a I better see a bullpen. Lot of There's yeah. The difference That's is the true. bullpen, right? That's the difference true. is the bullpen. Otherwise, yeah, that, there is a lot of similarities there, but they have a much more rock-solid. And They got Zach Britton back there. Their bullpen has always been kind of – it's not what they build around, but it, it's really good, and so – after watching him this weekend, too, Chad Green is underrated. Yeah. Uh, he oh, can yeah. give them multiple innings. He gave him three innings today yeah. to help uh, bail out from a, a shorter start uh, with it. He uh, did effective relief work for them, and it allowed them to keep rest for the other guys. I've been impressed. I watched a game with Jonathan Lewisaga, who used to be a starter yeah. for them. He also does the same thing, and he's, he's very good at it. So they, they have a lot of, like, mid-relief guys that throw hard, throw hard, and, and they're very effective at it. But, yeah, you're right. As far as starting pitchers go, other than Garrett Cole, I'm not sure – I said, I like Jordan Montgomery, but I won't say that I, he's great. He's solid. So plenty of good baseball to come uh, uh, check out in the coming week. We'll keep you posted. Again, you had a chance to get a, uh, a teaser for how we're looking at structuring the podcast. We Moving hope you forward, like it. We'll have some other uh, segments occasionally that will feature along the way, but we'll try to give you the best of what's out there, the best articles, best featured uh, writings and reports uh, throughout the week, give a little bit of commentary on it, let you know what's going on with the latest happenings in baseball, those that are doing well, especially if you're fantasy players. We'll talk about those that are on the heater uh, and then the, the key issues from the week. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you covered every week. Keep coming back. Take care.